1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. This is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, we come before you this afternoon and we thank you um, for this gathering. Father, thank you for uh, the tears of sadness as the Collins leave us. Um, we thank you for uh, the tears of joy um, as the DeCosimos and the Dicks are with us. Father, the tears of joy that David is with us. Father, we are overwhelmed with how good you are. Father, we have already prayed and we trust that you will comfort the Collins and we pray that for the DeCosimos and for the Dicks that you would remind them that you don't do anything by accident, um, that nothing is happenstance with you. Father, would you remind each of us that as we look in the pews and we consider who the women and the men are that we are sitting next to, uh, the boys and the girls that we have watched grow up, the women who are home from college, uh, Father, the families that have joined, um, Father, you do not work accidentally. You are a great God. Father, we don't know anything about you except for what you have revealed to us. And Father, we confess that much of what you have revealed to us is hard for us to grasp because you are not like us. You are not created, but you are the creator. Father, you are not dependent. We are dependent. And so for us to think about an entity like yourself, we are wholly aware that we would have no hope of knowing you except that you would reveal yourself. And Father, we give you praise and thanksgiving that that's who you are. That's what you happily and willingly do, that you have done it through the Scripture, and ultimately you did it through your Son, Jesus. Lord Jesus, we come before you, and we ask you that with the Father you would send the Spirit, and that we would behold you in your glory and that to a woman and a man we would be changed that we would leave this place differently than when we came in we know for that to happen that you've got to work because we know ourselves to be ineffectual but you have said father that your word never goes out to return void but always accomplishes the purposes for which you sent it and so, Father, I pray that you would surprise each of us with how you're going to do that today. Father, I especially pray for the women and the men who are here who don't think you will do that, who think that maybe you will speak to everyone but not to them. Father, would you please, in your kindness, 
would you please, in your kindness, make your presence known to everyone here. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We praise you in advance of what you are about to do as you prepare us to come to the table and to feed our faith on truths of Christ. In his name we pray, amen. You guys know that as many of you did, Mita and uh, Louisa went to a Taylor Swift concert and it made me chuckle because she wrote my nephew beforehand and he said, well, what do we need to know? And he said, well, you need to know that Taylor Swift is going to make herself aware or, or make herself connect with each and every person in the audience. And Vita and I were just laughing <laughs> when we heard him say that. And she said, you know, it was kind of wild that she would look into a camera. And if you were looking at the camera, it made it seem like she was looking right at you. And, uh, you know, we all have that deep desire to be connected with the one who is before us and who's speaking. And what I want you to know is that the reason historically that ministers wear black robes is so that we as ministers would disappear. And what connects with you is actually the Word of God, actually Jesus Christ himself, and that the minister would disappear. As I thought about this passage, I thought, well, maybe I'll just skip it because you know that I was supposed to cover it last week. We read it last week. I didn't make it last week. Um, and, and just go on to the next thing. I, I cleared it with Nathan that it was okay that we would stay one more week in this because I felt like you would think maybe I was dodging a bullet if we didn't unpack it just a minute because it's all about the preacher and the preaching. And man, I wish I had a black robe on today. I would love to disappear in front of you. And all that you would hear is the word of God aimed as arrows to each of your hearts, arrows with your names on it, because that's what this is. It's what it's supposed to always be. It's important who is preaching and preaching itself matters. The punchline is in verse 5. It matters because your faith is going to be founded on something. And so the question that I have for you is, what is your faith founded on? What is your faith founded on? The Apostle Paul has had three sequential sections as he's talked to the Corinthians about their own faith. And as he's talked to them about the fact that they are distancing themselves from him as the one who preached to them and distancing themselves from the message of the cross, right? He said, look, you don't like it because it isn't filled with worldly wisdom and it's weak and you're distancing yourselves from it, the message of the cross, and from me. And the Apostle Paul is crying out and he's saying, don't do it. He looked at the message of the cross, starting in verses 18 and on down through that section. He looked at the message of the cross, and then he asked them to look at themselves, right? That's what we covered last week in 26 down through the end of chapter 1. And this week, he is actually saying, look at me. 
One of the commentaries that Nathan and I read is that the the commentator said Paul has used the message of the cross, he's used the people who are saved, and then he's used the preacher. And in parentheses, the writer of the commentary put me, exclamation point, in parentheses. And I can't tell you as a preacher how much I feel that in this text today. And I want to get out from underneath it in so many ways. But we cannot. The Apostle Paul wants us to see two things in this text. And because God has given us this letter, you know there are letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to the churches that aren't in Scripture, right? You know that. In fact, there are probably other letters to this church that are not in Scripture. But this one is because there's something here that we need to hear. This is the Word of God. What he wants us to see is to consider two things. He wants us to consider the way that the Apostle Paul, or as he says, the way that I presented God's mystery, the testimony about who God is to you. I want you to consider the way that I presented God's testimony to you. And then the second thing that he says is he says, I want you to consider the way I presented myself and my words to you, my words and my message. Those are the two things. The first one comes from verses 1 and 2. The second one comes from verses 3, 4, and 5. The first of the things that he wants to consider is he says, I want you to look at me, and I want you to consider the way in which I presented God's mystery to you or God's testimony to you. That's what he's asking them to consider. There have been a few times, I would say definitely less than two handfuls, and I think I can honestly tell you that it's less than one handfuls of time that I have stood up here and preach to you, and I have desperately wanted to be somewhere else. I don't know how to describe that sensation to you as a preacher. The sensation of exposure, the sensation of of weakness, the sensation of, of just being flabbergasted at the calling of being before you. Corinthians is difficult because it challenges you as a church. And when I say you, I mean the plural you. Corinthians is difficult because I'm part of the church, but it's also difficult because it challenges me as a preacher. Paul says, consider the way in which I presented God's mystery, his testimony to you. Read verse 1 with me if you can. Uh, page 952 of those Bibles. Paul says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. He said, I didn't come in a particular way. I didn't come with lofty speech or wisdom. The idea of that phrase is with superior speech or with this gift of rhetoric and and, and human wisdom. I didn't come that way to communicate to you the testimonies, the mysteries of God himself. One commentator wrote it this way, I didn't come as a, a superior person to make it sound as if I were wise. The very things that the Corinthians valued, wise people who were creative in the way in which they spoke who enunciated well, who used rhyme and rhythm and intonation to capture the hearts of the people and to convince them of something. He says, I didn't come to you that way. I didn't, this is what Paul says, try to attract you to myself. 
Why does it matter how the mysteries of God are communicated to you? The reason it matters is because you, to a person, a woman and a man, even a child, you are an image bearer of God. God created you. And as he makes himself known to you, you are attracted to that truth. And the potential sin of the preacher is to use that attraction to the truth to attract you to myself. And the Apostle Paul says, I did not use lofty words and wisdom to attract you to God. I didn't use this place to attract you to myself. The amazing thing is, the apostle's argument throughout all of this section is so tight. His use of language, he's using the rhetorical words that the the Corinthians would have been drawn to in the secular societies. He's using those very words. He He is creating words, and they know that he's creating them in this very text. And yet he is saying, I did not come to you in the way that I'm writing to you now. I came to you not with lofty words and not with wisdom. Rather, it says in verse 2, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Why did the apostle not use lofty language and wisdom? He came and determined beforehand what these Corinthians need is to know only Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's what is needed. In fact, it says Jesus Christ in Him having been crucified. It emphasizes the past tense of what happened to Jesus, or not the past tense, the passive tense, that something happened to Jesus. Listen to what he's saying. He's saying that the unique claim of Christianity, the unique power and hope of Christianity is in a man and a man to whom something shameful happened, Jesus Christ, and him crucified. The Apostle Paul said, that's all I came to you proclaiming. That's all that I would talk to you about. Paul is saying, when I had the opportunity to talk to you about the mysteries and the testimony of God, I put before you only one thing, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I think we learned two things from that. The first is this. How do you understand who God is? Look at the cross. Look at the cross. Our God, who revealed himself to Moses in Exodus as the children in the the communicants class are learning, a God, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving the iniquity and the transgressions and the sins to the thousands but who will by no means let the guilty go free. 
visiting the, the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generations. That at the cross, we see the mercy of God completely fulfilling the justice of God. Those two things, not in tension, but in harmony and in symphony with each other, revealing the nature of our God who loves us and who goes to every end to convince us of that love. The second thing that we see in Paul only making known to them Jesus Christ and him crucified is Paul's character. We see that here. Look, Paul is wholly capable of using lofty words and rhetoric and wisdom. And again, if we all read Greek, we could see that that's exactly what he's doing in writing this letter. This letter is so finely crafted with such enunciation and specific language that he's actually using the very things that draw the Corinthians to human wisdom. But he's saying, I'm not going to depend on that. He avoids it for their sake. Why did he avoid it for their sake when he came to profess Christ to them, when he proclaimed to them the gospel? Because he knew how they would latch on to power. You see, Paul wasn't going to use their quest for power against them. The Corinthians wanted lofty words. They wanted worldly power. They wanted influence. They wanted the wisdom of the world in what was being presented to them. But the Apostle Paul said no. And in that, you see something about his character. You can see why this is so undoing for any preacher that would have to preach this text. My character is before you, right? You get to judge it. And it has to be this way. Because God's very character is before us in the gospel. I think that we uniquely understand this portion of the Corinthian temptation today. As Christianity's influence and power begins to wane in our culture, we ought to understand this tension of wanting to be powerful again all the more. This gives us a desire for power. Either that we would see in our faith that we are aligned with the culture and therefore we, we fit right in, right? We're, we're part of the culture. The culture ought to listen to the church. And we see the church bending itself to do that very thing. Or we bend ourselves to prove that we are morally superior than the culture. Or the Apostle Paul says, or we will resist those sources of power. And we will cling to the cross. Jesus Christ and him having been crucified. We will see sacrifice and dependence as part and parcel of what it means to be a Christian a God whose loving provision was for all of human race 
for all of our need, especially for mine. And I only have one question before we look at this second thing the Apostle Paul asks us to look at. I want to ask you this question. I want you to think about it. Does the preaching that resonates with you, does it underscore what you already believe or does it challenge you to interact with God, to worship, to repent, to praise him, to give him thanks, and to see your very life in terms of sacrifice like Jesus and Christ crucified. The apostle Paul said, look, I want you to consider the way that I presented the mysteries of Christ to you. But he also says in verses 3 and through 5, I want you to consider the way that I presented myself to you. And what's interesting is he actually says, my words and my message is what he says. And then he launches into verse 3. You can read verse 3 as easily as I can. Look at it. He says, and I. It's the second time he said, and I. He said it in verse 1, and now he says it again in verse 3. He breaks this down for us. He says, and I, and then what it, what it says in its most literal sense, it says, in weakness and in fear and much trembling was with you. He emphasized and he put in the front of the sentence his weakness, his fear, and his trembling. He says, when I made myself known to you, what was in the forefront was my weakness, it's hard to understand what the Apostle Paul might be talking about here. The word he uses has to do with physical suffering. And, and we're not quite sure what it is because Paul's physical suffering is mentioned a lot. You know, it might be something that's reoccurring. When he was converted, you know that he was blinded by light, right? And a lot of, com a lot of commentators wonder, did the physical suffering that he suffered, did, was it something with his eyes? Were his eyes always then affected, and, and were they infected, and, 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 and was it hard for him to see? You know, when he wrote the Galatian Christians and he wanted to prove that it was him writing him, he said, look at what large letters with which I write my name. And some folks believe that that's the Apostle Paul saying, I can't see the small letters, I have to write the large letters. You know, with, the, with that big number two pencil, you guys, at school, well, P, A, U, you know what I'm saying? The Apostle Paul is saying it was my weakness that was before you. And then he said it was my fear that was before you. You go, what is the Apostle Paul afraid of? You guys, the Apostle Paul had dark nights of the soul. When you read the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul wished that there were nights when he didn't live. Have you ever felt that way? Did you know that the Apostle Paul felt that way? Did you know that here in Corinth, in Acts 18... There is actually a situation in which Jesus makes himself known. Go read Acts 18. Makes himself known to the Apostle Paul. The Lord shows up to him one night, and guess what he says? He says, don't be afraid. Why would the Lord do that? Why would Jesus show up to the Apostle Paul and do that? Because for some reason, the Apostle Paul was really afraid in Corinth. And he said, that fear of mine was before you. I didn't hide it. There was some dark night of the soul. And he said it wasn't just fear, it was with much trembling. 
The Apostle Paul did not stand before them as one who is self-assured. The Apostle Paul was himself in Corinth. And he said, I don't want you to forget that. I want you to remember that it was in weakness and in fear and in much trembling that I was before you. And then we read in verse 4, he says this again, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom. This is where he actually makes up a word. He actually says, my words and what I proclaim to you, the testimony that was Paul's, it wasn't with persuasive words of lady wisdom. You see what he's doing? He's using persuasive words. He's, he, he created a word so that the Corinthians had to go, wow, we've never seen that word. We've got to figure out what that word is. That word doesn't show up anywhere else in the Bible. The Apostle Paul is saying, it's not that I couldn't do this. It's that I didn't do this. I didn't come to you with persuasive words of wisdom but I came to you with the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. What it seems like the Apostle Paul is pointing to is telling them of his own conversion. When the Apostle Paul was converted, do you remember what he was doing? He was persecuting the church. And Jesus showed up to him in a blinding light, and he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus used the personal pronoun in place of the church. And Saul says, who are you, Lord? Whose voice is this? And Jesus responded, Jesus. The apostle Paul is telling the church, when I came, it wasn't with persuasive words of wisdom. It was coming to you with weakness and fear and trembling. And I even told you my story so that it would be demonstrated to you by power and the Spirit's power in my life. I want to ask you a question. When you think about your Christian witness, when I think about the way that I preach and proclaim the words of Christ, do I think about the reality that Scripture says, before God gave me faith, I was dead in my sins and transgressions. I was dead. I was dead when God gave me faith, when He made me alive in Christ. I want to ask you another question. What will keep you and me, what will keep us from being angry about and arguing with our culture and society? What will keep us from having a disposition of anger and disregard for the places where God has put us? What will enable us to, instead of longing to leave, longing to love? It will be remembering where the power came from. It will not be with persuasive words of wisdom, 
but it will be remembering that we ourselves are demonstrations and proof of the power of God to call dead things to life. And the Apostle Paul is saying, look, I can speak your language. I'm as persuasive as anybody who you know, but I did not approach you that way so that you would not think it was by human wisdom and persuasion that you came to faith, but rather it was by the power of the Spirit of God working in you. And finally, he ends with the way we begin in verse 5, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Why is it important, the preaching that you listen to and even the preachers whom you listen to? Because your faith is going to be founded on something. Listen, if you're not a Christian and you're here today, you have faith and it's founded on something. I heard this crazy story, I I read about it this week, where Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito are in an argument. And Arnold Schwarzenegger actually argues that anybody who believes in an afterlife is absolutely asinine. And he didn't use that. He used some other really colorful language. And Danny DeVito, in only the Danny DeVito Italian voice that I can imagine, responds to Arnold Schwarzenegger. And he goes, you know, Arnold, you actually don't know that for certain. You only believe that on faith. Listen, we all have faith in something. But it matters what you listen to. And it even matters who you listen to. Because the opportunity is for your faith to be founded on the power of God or on human wisdom. The Apostle Paul says that this faith of yours, this gift that you have been given, is like a treasure. And you ought to consider how that treasure and what it's founded on. In the next letter, he's going to say that treasure is in us as if we were jars of clay. We human beings, broken jars of clay. From dust we came and to dust we will return so that it would be known that the superior, the surpassing power is actually from God himself, the power who raised Jesus from the dead. And if you have not needed to depend on that power yet in your faith, I promise you, you will one day. And then it isn't wisdom and eloquence that we want our faith to be rooted in. But it is the very power of God. And that's why the Apostle Paul emphasized this here, and that's why you and I need to hear it. Let me pray for us as we head to the table.